You're joining All Things College and Career for in-depth stories and advice with your hosts, Meg Gary and Bobby Ryan, owners of Academic and Career Advising Services. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're so excited to have Christine Cruz Vergara. She is the Chief Education Strategy Officer at Handshake. And prior to joining Handshake, she had a really extensive background in career services in the higher ed setting. She was at Wellesley, George Mason, George Washington, and the University of Maryland. And now a little bit about Handshake for anybody that doesn't know what Handshake is. It's the number one way students get hired. They discover jobs and internships for students at your school, receive direct messages from employers about new jobs and events, connect with alumni and other employees at organizations that interest you, get an inside look at employers and jobs with student reviews. And frankly, more and more universities are using Handshake. Over 1,200 universities using it now. It's just going to grow. It is going to be the premier, if it's not already, way for college students to access jobs out of college. What they say is Handshake is the only career site you need, and um, we tend to agree. Yeah, absolutely. So without further ado, let's just get on to our conversation with Christine. All right, let's do it. Hello, Christine Cruz Vergara. Welcome to All Things College and Career. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Hello, Christine. And where are we talking to you today? Talking to you from today. (laughs) (laughs) I am in San Francisco. All right. I love San Francisco. Have you lived there long? No, actually, I've only lived here for about two and a half years, but I have fallen in love and I don't know if I'm ever leaving. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I know. I I hear you. You know, some of the best food in the world right there. So right off the bat, we want to congratulate you on your recent promotion. Oh, thank you. Chief Education Strategy Officer at Handshake, which is amazing and probably very well deserved. Oh, thank you. You are so kind. I appreciate it. (laughs) So let's get started with how did Handshake start? How did it all get off the ground? Yeah. So Handshake actually grew out of a very personal problem of the three co-founders. So all three co-founders went to school at Michigan Tech. And for those of you on the line that don't know anything about Michigan Tech, it is six hours and nine hours north of Detroit and Chicago. And it receives about 300 inches of snow a year. And so (laughs) as students, (laughs) they realized there weren't a lot of employers that were making their way up to Michigan Tech, not for the career fairs, not for on-campus recruiting, not for info sessions. And so the limited number of opportunities they had was pretty palpable. They realized that for all three of them, they wanted to be able to make it to Silicon Valley, but those employers were not coming to their schools. And so they started asking more questions about whether or not this was a challenge that other students faced. And at the time, I actually happened to be working at George Mason University as the head of career services there. And I received an informational interview request from Garrett, who's our CEO and co-founder. And he said, I just want to talk to you and understand if my issues as a student are resonating with any of your students. George Mason is in D.C. and obviously does not have three inches, 300 inches of snow (laughs) a year. Right. That's not a problem that we have. The issue of access was comparable. The issues of recognizing that as a state institution that was not considered the flagship and was also located in the D.C. area where we had lots of other competitors like Georgetown and GW and American, my students did struggle 
to find the same opportunities. And so what Garrett and the co-founders did was create the largest early career talent platform, Handshake, which essentially connects now over 8 million students to over 500,000 employers. And we work with over 1,200 universities and colleges to sort of make that happen by putting all of those employers into one network so that students can actually get access to all of the opportunities rather than just who was willing to actually travel to their institution. Wow, that's incredible. I think the last I checked, you had 900 colleges and universities. So that's a dramatic increase in a short time. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. congrats on that. Yeah, that's Thank amazing. You. Thank you. Thank you. So just for our listeners, what is Handshake? Who needs it? What are the benefits? What are the features? Absolutely. So Handshake is the largest early career talent network. We work with over 1,200 universities, as I mentioned, to help connect students and employers to opportunities. Uh, We have everything from on-campus employment to internships to full-time jobs right there on the platform. And what a lot of people don't realize is that we actually help to facilitate real relationships as well. So one of the benefits for students is that you don't need experience, you don't need connection, you don't need luck. You can just come on to Handshake and start to build all of that for yourself. So you can connect to other peers at other Handshake schools. You can read reviews from other students about the internship experiences they've had. You can connect to employer ambassadors and alumni from your institution to learn more about what that company is really like on the inside. All of that can happen right on Handshake as you're doing your internship or job search. Wow, that's amazing. And you know, the first thing I think about when I'm listening to all that is maybe maybe this is a sensitive topic, who knows, but it sounds like that's a lot of like things that can be happen on LinkedIn, but this is very specific for college students or graduate students. I noticed like when I was on your website, I was going to check it out and I'm like, "Oh, but I don't have an EDU <laughs> email address." So, I couldn't, you know, go to that next step, right? So you're really trying to target that group of students and versus in a more specific way. But I guess the question I'm getting to is, do these students need a LinkedIn account if they have Handshake? That's such a great question. I think we're really trying to tackle a very different problem than what Mm. LinkedIn was trying to tackle. LinkedIn was looking to um, be a network of connection. And so you get on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is most useful to you if you actually know a lot of people, if you actually have connections to make, right? That's sort of what like steamrolls everything. Exactly. Um, For students though, that's really intimidating because the majority of them don't have any connections yet. They know their family, (laughs) they know some of their peers, but they don't have a lot of connections connections. And so we really wanted to try and address the issue of where do you start? How do we remove some of those barriers so that you have a lower barrier to entry? And I think more importantly, we're thinking about the students who literally don't have family or don't have those connections. And they literally have no idea where to start, right? And so Mm -hmm. it's a very different problem. What I would say, honestly, is that I think both our platforms actually complement each other. A student can begin to build their connection. They can build their experience on Handshake. Um, I think we are really serving the young alumni and early career talent space really well because we're able to help build some of that confidence initially. And then as you become more seasoned, certainly you're likely to move over to LinkedIn. But I think right now we really tackle that early career talent sort of uh, population, if you will. That makes total sense. So I reached out to a colleague of mine to that I know that her small liberal arts college utilizes Handshake. And I asked her if she had any questions. So if you don't mind, I'd like to yeah. just uh, 
give you some feedback from her perspective. She asked, as you continue to grow and dominate the marketplace, what are you doing to assist small schools with limited resources and staff to best utilize the variety of features that the platform offers? So in her case, they cannot dedicate a full-time staff person to you know, monitor, handshake, and assist students with that. So she was wondering if you had any ideas or suggestions for that. And also, what is the success rate of students gaining internships and employment through the platform? Those were a couple of her questions. Great questions. I love it. Yes. So let me actually tackle the last question first, and then I'll talk about what small schools can do. Um, So I believe, I don't want to quote you incorrectly, so I'm going to give you a range, um, but I believe the most recent numbers I just saw was over the past couple of years, over 49% of students that have applied for a position through Handshake have received an offer. Oh, that's a pretty um, good stats. Yeah. yeah, I believe that's the most recent um, that we have, although I should check with my team to see if we have anything more uh, more updated. Right. And then the question around small schools, um, we are actually looking at a number of things to be able to sort of further automate um, aspects so that we can give our career centers and our colleagues working in institutions time back. We recognize that their time is really valuable. And unfortunately, higher education as a sector has really been hit hard with the pandemic pandemic with many budget cuts. And a lot of those budget cuts, unfortunately, are also trickling down to career education, which you could get me on a whole nother tangent. I think that that should be the case. And if institutions (laughs) really care, that's not where they should be cutting. However, Many, many schools are faced with that challenge. And it sounds like your friend is certainly faced with some of those constraints as well. So they can't add staff members, right? They can't just add more people to be able to do this. So I'll give you a really concrete example. One of the things that we care most about, our mission has always been to democratize opportunity for all students. And one of the things that we uh, aim for in our vision is to constantly think about how do we increase access? How do we increase access to job opportunity? And how do we systemically actually change the behaviors that are not advantageous to all students, right? There's a lot about our society that we've all been talking about that requires systemic change. And I think one of the things that makes me most proud about working at Handshake is that we are not just trying to create a product that if people want to use, cool, you kind of use it, but rather we're looking at how do we really create systemic change? The first step of systemic change was Handshake actually being created as a network, right? And so now the jobs and the the employers are shared across schools, right? And that five, six years ago was really scary for a lot of schools. Initially, that seemed really shady. People were kind of cynical. Yeah, I'm sure. It wasn't always well-received is what you're saying. It wasn't always well-received. And I think a lot of that came from a place of fear because it was a question of, well, if we share, will my students miss out, right? And I think- begs the question for us, when we say that we want systemic change, when we say that we are really behind equity and access, are we really when that change might impact us personally, right? Mm -hmm. I think the other thing, however, that that has shown, because we're now six years later, seven years later, and it's the norm. Everybody Mm -hmm. loves it. Everybody has benefited. Every single school, no matter how elite or how not elite they were, has grown employer opportunities by over 2x or 3x before they joined Handshake. That's huge. So it's sort of that whole notion of like rising tide raises all boats, lifts all boats, right? It's true. When we're talking about uh, equity and access, it is not a zero-sum game. And so 
going back to your friend's question, one of the things that we want to continue to think about is how do we actually increase that access? And how do we do it in a way that is safe? How do we do it in a way that highlights our school's sort of expertise, um, but also in a way that meets the needs of our students and our employers? And so job approvals is probably one area that your friend spends an inordinate amount of time on. And I used to work in career services, as you all know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I think that, that is one of the biggest wastes of time that somebody on your team could be doing is approving jobs. When the yeah. reality is most of our students these days, they're used to an open job opportunity, right? That's they're right. used to going to sites like LinkedIn where they can mm-hmm. see everything. And knowing that there is liquidity, knowing that there are lots of opportunities is actually what attracts them to go to some of those sites to search. And technology nowadays is strong enough that you can use automation, you can use recommendation engines, you can increase relevancy in order to make the most relevant opportunities based on a student's interests actually pop up for them, right? Mm. And so moving forward, I would actually love to sort of like flip that on its head, right? How do we actually get rid of not needing to waste time, precious, precious staff time on something like that. And instead, maybe the staff are boosting or signaling the types of industries or jobs or employers or roles that they know through their own assessment that their students are interested in. And that helps to like boost it in terms of relevancy or recommendation, right? Like I think there there are better ways that we can look at something like that. So that would be one example of the type of questions and problems we wrestle with at Handshake as we look into the future. And we think about how can that help obviously small schools, but really it's going to help all schools. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There was so much there. So much. I know so much to unpack. (laughs) Right. We get unpack it from the beginning. So one of the things that you said that I loved was the idea of all tides, all the tides raise all boats. I'm fascinated that you were able to get the elite schools who probably who had the best contacts to the industry to share those resources across the board. And yes, and it benefited them in the long run, but being able to get those schools on board, that was a big get for sure. So I guess, how did you do that? How were you <laughs> able to convince them? So, also a great question. Yeah, I have to give, I have to give Handshake a lot of credit. I was not mm-hmm. with the Handshake team at the time when all mm-hmm. of this started. Um, however, I was one of the early partners. And I think there are a couple of things that they have consistently done very, very well from the beginning. One is they were always clear about their vision and their mission, and they have never strayed from that. They were always consistent that this was about democratizing opportunity to all students. They were always clear that students first was a value that we held very near and dear to our hearts and was how we would make decisions. Because ultimately, we are not useful to an institution if we are not paying attention to what is most useful to students. If students Mm -hmm. don't want to use this, what value do we actually have to Exactly. (laughs) And I think that that has that has not always been well received if i'm being perfectly honest i think some people would prefer to think of themselves as the priority rather than students as the priority but i think handshake has never strayed away from saying you are an important partner we share a common goal but ultimately that this is what we are about i think the piece about the most elite schools what has really been important there is that even the most elite schools don't have all 
of the relationships. They don't have right. all of the partnerships. No, that they nobody need. has all of everything. Nobody right. does. Yes, no, they need help too. And I think it was helping some of them understand how they were going to be able to benefit as well. How yeah. were they going to be able um, to help their students get better opportunities too? And then the third piece I would say to answer your question is they worked with some really forward-thinking leaders that were at elite schools. Um, I'd love to call them out by name. Andy Chan, who's at Wake Forest still. Farouk Day, who's now at Hopkins, but was at Stanford at the time. And those two individuals showed their forward thinking, their innovation, and their desire to truly stand behind their words of, we care about all students. And so they took a risk. And I think it really paid off, but I think them taking that first step also helped others to feel more comfortable. And those are two big schools to kind of start paving the way. So kudos to them for taking that risk. Well, they probably had the vision and, and your story is compelling. It just makes sense. But, you know, if people are understaffed and especially now there has been layoffs in, in universities. And as you say, career services gets hit hard. But I know, I think it was you and Farouk, the paper you wrote about how some of that burden can be lifted by shifting some of those services right into academia. So like, you know, you're picking it up in the classroom and that way everybody, like you were saying, 100% of the students hear it, not just the ones that turn up at career services, which I love. So some of that is intended to lift the burden off career services, no? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the reality is our student success is truly an institutional commitment or it should be. And there are a lot of members of the institution that will play into students being ready for a career. The faculty, mm-hmm. coaches, advisors, student affairs staff, and career centers. And I think the role of the career center as it continues to shift is you need leaders. You need a leader that's going to help coordinate all of those various yes. stakeholders to actually bring a cohesive plan, a strategy sort of in place so that for a student, Career is not just something that happens on the periphery or happens if you stumble across it, but rather is embedded into the daily life and experience. And I think, you know, I have I have an eight-year-old, so it sounds a little bit crazy, but I, I believe that 10 years will pass before I know it. And it he will, will also be off. Yeah, <laughs> right? Trust us. Cool. Yeah. For sure. You know, yeah. Think about that. You know, he's obviously he has a mother that knows a lot about career services and knows a lot about career. And so I could certainly help him on the back end, if he wants to listen to any of my advice at that point, right? (laughs) But the reality is, I hope he goes to an institution that cares so much about his success that they will actually think about who are the right people that need to sit at the table and who are we listening to and what feedback loops have we created so that we are actually staying on the pulse of what is happening in the economy, what is happening in the marketplace, and what kind of education are we giving our students to best prepare them for that? And I think that the insularity that we've sort of seen in higher education has to change. It has to shift. And I think COVID has really brought that to life. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, it's grown exponentially. Accelerated it. Accelerated the need or demand. Yeah. But I do want to just touch back. You mentioned democratization. That's something that really appealed to Bobby and I. And one of the reasons we reached out to you, we admire your work in that area in that your true attempts to try to get everybody in the game, so to speak. But just curious if Handshakes ever considered expanding to perhaps non-college students. 
And we'll hear Christine's answer to that great question right after this quick message from Meg. Thank you, Bobby. I just wanted to quickly break in here to share. I am now an FCD instructor. So if you would like to become a certified career counselor through the NCDA, I can now make that happen for you. I also offer career coaching and academic advising. To learn more about any of these services, please visit my website, Academic and Career Advising Services. I will include that link in the show notes. Now, back to the podcast. It's a good question too. And we have, so we actually have um, just started working with boot camps. Um, we have a couple boot camp uh, providers that are on, uh, that have just launched recently um, and are seeing some great success with their students. We recognize that the, I should say, education is broader than just formal four-year education. And while Handshake started that way, and we remained focused on that for the early years, we have started to expand the definition of what education means. Mm -hmm. And so one form of that is obviously boot camps. Another form of that is two-year institutions. Mm -hmm. Um, We're hearing a lot in the news right now around how two-year institutions were hit quite hard with enrollment drops this past year, particularly our Black, Latinx um, student populations, students coming from urban areas. Many of them were not able to. However, more recently, we've also seen articles saying that community colleges is really where a lot of the rebound is going to happen and is what's going to fuel a lot of our economic growth. And of course, we know that Dr. Biden as well is obviously a huge proponent of community colleges. And there's a lot of investment that's going into community colleges moving forward. So we are starting to expand our definition of education and sort of what that means. And I think as we continue to move forward, we'll also start to dabble in sort of the last mile skill space and start to think about how we can also be helpful to candidates and to individuals that are seeking employment that might fall outside of sort of the most traditional Mm -hmm. norms. Right. Just sort of tying in with that, your work in areas of access, not only at the university level, but now everywhere. That's that's awesome. I love that. Okay. So I'm curious, how can students best use Handshake to really narrow in on the specific work they want to do and for the specific companies they want to work for? I think um, one is take advantage of the fact that your career center is connected to Handshake. If you haven't already made an appointment, make sure you do and make sure you're working with someone who can be a sounding board, who can help you really make sense of all the information that's coming at you. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of noise out there. Yeah, exactly. So to be able to cut through it and really get to the core, I always believe that working with somebody, that's really important. Um, I actually think that's one of the most in some ways, unique pieces of Handshake. We might be a tech company, but we're not trying to replace human connection. We're actually trying to scale it. Right? Yeah. We're actually trying to use technology to scale sure. that and to yeah. sort of almost put armor, like special superpower armor on all of our career centers and our institutions to make them even more effective at sort of what they do. So number one would be if you haven't already taken advantage of career services, do it. Because right now, while you're a student, it's free. When yeah. you graduate and you decide to use a career coach, that's not free anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> <So> definitely <laughs> right. make sure you're taking yeah. advantage of all of that. Um, yeah, the second sure. thing is talk to other peers. So you can connect with a lot of other individuals on Handshake besides your career center as well. You can talk to peers, you can talk to ambassadors, you can talk to employers. That's really helpful sometimes to literally hear what are you doing? What does that role actually mean? You're a success manager. What does the day-to-day actually look like? Oh, you're an analyst. What does that mean? Right? right. And you can ask those questions, which start to help you parse through what is it that I actually liked 
And what mm-hmm. don't I like, or what do I not know enough about that now I need mm-hmm. to go do more research on, I think is super helpful. We also have something in Handshake called job role pages, which allows you to actually get more information about a particular job role, like consultant for a management consultant, for example. What does that really mean? What does that look like? What are the salary ranges? Where are the students going to get those opportunities? Where are the geographic locations where you might find the most of that type of job role, right? Sometimes a lot of that information can be really helpful too, as any student is thinking through, what are the values that are most important to me? As I head off from college, do I really care about where I live? Is that actually super, super important? Do I need to make a certain salary because I might need to support my family or send money home? Right. You know, or do I have the do I have the privilege to be able to go for something that I just feel really interested in, really passionate about? Those are all various pieces of information that I would encourage students to kind of think through. Um, I will also say very candidly, we are continuing to improve our relevancy and our recommendation engine. That could be better. And we're working on those things. We actually just brought on a new CTO. He actually specializes in search and has done that at Amazon, LinkedIn, and Google. So some of the places that we know have the best search um, and super excited to see in the next few years what that's going to to continue to look like. So I think it's a combination of all those pieces. Definitely. It sounds like that might be a fantastic answer. And might really help somebody to, you know, make that perfect connection or match those search engine techniques. But yeah. So obviously with the pandemic, I know like it was funny because we were listening to your YouTube video, your vision chats, or is that what your vision chats (laughs) and how you guys had this vision of how things were going to progress in career services and then COVID hit and it just escalated everything. So out of every horrible thing, some silver linings come up. And so what would you say the silver linings were to this acceleration? I think some of the silver lining is that it has given career services. So I'll I'll talk about several silver linings for career services. I think one of them is that it has put uh, new attention on the value of education. And we know as a profession how much we contribute to that conversation. And if we don't know, we should know. So if you mm-hmm. if you're listening and you are unaware, you should talk right. to somebody you because talk to someone. that yeah. is a really mm-hmm. important piece. We contribute to recruitment, mm-hmm. to retention, to revenue, and to ranking or reputation of the institution, what I call the four R's. Okay. And so it has given career services once again, just like it did with the last recession, another opportunity to strategically lead from the front and to be able to say to your institutions and to your senior leaders, I understand that you are feeling pressure from here and from here and from here, and you have to think about what is the value and the return on investment for prospective students and parents so you can bring in the tuition dollars. This is how I can help. This is how career services can be part of that solution. Mm -hmm. They're not the only solution, but they are a big player as part of that solution. And so Mm -hmm. it gives us an opportunity to actually lead. And I think that's very exciting. And and from my perspective, it's an opportunity that we should not waste and we should not Mm -hmm. throw away. And so I think that is really cool. So that awareness um, of the institutional needs and your ability to solve their problems and challenges. Yeah, that's great. To be a a strategic contributor to Mm. all of that. I um, I think for students, it might sound strange for me to say that there's a silver lining for students, but I think one of the things I've always noticed about the graduating classes around recession times is that they're grittier. Yeah, resiliency. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, their resilience, yeah. their adaptability, their agility to be able to think creatively and then to invent and reinvent themselves is typically stronger than some right. of the other generations or the other class years because it's born out of need. And yeah. I know that that can be very stressful, but that skill set is going to serve them so well. And especially with the way the world of work continues to rapidly evolve, they're going to have to do that more and more. And so now they've simply yeah. already gotten a head start in their process and in yeah. their practice. It's so yeah. true. That ability to pivot and grow and develop on the fly and adjust to what's what the demands are, what the labor market demands are. And yeah, and so many great businesses are speaking of creativity came out of the 2008 economic recession. So perhaps we'll see something similar as a result. So anyway, we noticed today that there was a big announcement uh, LinkedIn made about some networking research options that you're providing. So I didn't, didn't know if maybe you could share with our listeners some of those benefits. Sure. We are super excited to launch our new research initiative and our research arm at Handshake, which is uh, fondly titled Handshake Network Insights. So we are going to be looking at product data as well as uh, surveys and studies that we will do with students, career centers, and employers to surface insights around this whole conversation of early talent recruitment and education to employability. Um, And you'll start to see quarterly reports from us on a number of different topics. You're also going to see sort of bite-sized infographics and information that will also be coming out um, in the middle of some of those larger quarterly reports as well. Um, And we're just going to really stay on the pulse of sort of what's happening. What are we seeing? Um, We're one of the only entities that sort of sits at the nexus of so many students, universities, and employers. And so we can really surface a lot of interesting information around people's behavior, their thoughts, their perceptions, what they hope for that can really help drive both behavior change as well as hopefully some really great systemic change uh, across our ecosystem. Yeah, so it would be really fun just to share the quick example that you posted today about when women see in the job description, women in leadership roles, that changes the behavior. So I don't know. Absolutely. Touching on that a bit. Sure. Our report today was our gender report. So we looked at some of the perceptions of gender diversity across our Generation Z uh, population. And one of the findings that we found was that women, students, and non binary individuals are twice as likely than their male counterparts to apply for a position if they see that there are women in leadership roles at that organization. So for a lot of organizations and certainly a lot of industries that are male dominated, they're trying to attract more women. Well, one of the ways that you attract more women is to also advance the women that you have within your organization, because those entry-level folks would like to see some examples. Representation matters. And so that's really, really important. Um, I thought that was very interesting. I also thought it was most fascinating that it was like twice as many men didn't even consider gender diversity. Right. They don't even look at it. They don't even think about it, which I thought just sort of spoke to um, what I know resonates with a lot of women out there. Um, So that was a very interesting sort of takeaway from from our report. Um, And there are many more. So if people are interested, please feel free to to download it. Yeah. So interesting. And that's such an important point that representation matters. It really yeah, it does. It, but... And it just it to know that there's other women in leadership and that is a possibility at that company as well. So that's another right. and yep. in all areas, not just yeah. You know, yep. yeah. Absolutely. There's always been a lot of pressure on career services to 
or universities to produce stats to say, okay, you know, our students are getting jobs here and this is the percentage that are getting jobs right out of college. And so, you know, the bigger measure, as you guys were talking about, is, you know, the impact and not so much just getting the job, but the quality of life. Are they getting jobs they want and or can grow at. But I just wanted to talk about how now the role on career services, in my opinion, at universities or for universities, it's grown exponentially because companies are out there saying, we can't fill these spots. We don't have the skill, the talents that we need. So they're kind of putting the pressure back on universities to say, you need to produce these. I guess my question is, how is it today that this can be addressed? And I guess, how can Handshake help? I think it can be addressed a couple of different ways. And I'll actually talk about a new form of partnership that we've started to see pop up even more that I think is really interesting and is quite promising. More employers are recognizing that if there is a skills shortage of some of the types of skills that they're looking for, they are partnering with institutions to actually offer classes and short programs, right? Micro-credentials around some of those things. We've seen Netflix do it. We've seen Amazon do it, right? And some of that is a really great way to actually bring together education and industry Mm, into an even smarter sort of partnership of what Mm -hmm. that can look like. And it's a fantastic pipeline for students to then go into some of those organizations or to be quite qualified to go into other organizations, Mm -hmm. right? And I think we hopefully will see more of the sort of public-private partnerships sort of happen with institutions, especially with companies who have the money, who have the opportunity to be able to do some of those things. I think Handshake's role in that, too, is really around the skills piece. So as we move forward into the future, we're certainly starting to ask a lot of questions around where might we, as our ecosystem and our scale is so large, where might we be the most useful? Mm -hmm. Is it in helping students to identify what skills they might be missing based on the job descriptions and the types of opportunities that we see on our platform? And then perhaps maybe helping to direct them to places where they can gain some of those skills. Many of the institutions that we partner with offer courses or Mm -hmm. offer short programs on some of these things in addition to boot camps or other places. But I don't know that students necessarily always know that that exists or where they should go for that. So we're already a marketplace. How might we be able to help students identify their gap and then actually fill that gap, right? And then of course, we are the place where students would then identify and showcase that they now have this skill so that employers can actually search for them. Those pieces are already built into our system. That's already happening. So how do we amplify that more? So I think for us, that is really where we would like to focus a little bit more time and energy as we move into the future um, to sort of see how do we help with that component so that it really is a partnership across all parties versus just one or the other. There you I go. Love that. And you're solving a big problem with that, you know, mindset thinking ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That's like huge. <laughs> perfect way to grow. But yeah. Hey, just wanted to touch a little bit. Um, so obviously you've had an extensive work history and career services. I'm just curious, what about your past sort of got you into this line of work? It seems like you must be driven by something. <laughs> wow. That is a fantastic question. Um, yeah. So I definitely fell into both student affairs as well. Which is so typical, right? Yeah. So typical. It's like what you hear from. So nobody is five years old and goes, I want to work. (laughs) Nobody says that. that. So, you know, I would say 
what initially drew me to career services was honestly the supervisor that I would have a chance to work with. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that actually speaks to what drives me a lot in my work, which is people and who I will get a chance to learn from, who I will get a chance to serve, who I get a chance to work with makes a really big difference for me. And I don't know that I knew that when I was an early professional, when I was a young professional, I think I dabbled on the edges of sort of recognizing that, but I don't think it was until I had a few positions under my belt that I realized what a difference that made for me in terms of my motivation. The other thing I would say that has driven me is I remember very distinctly writing a uh, graduate school paper. I think it was actually to get into grad school. It was like your goal statement. And everybody, you know, typically writes something about like, I aspire to be a dean of students or I aspire to be a VP one day, you know, that sort of thing. And I said to my advisor at the time, I was like, I can't write that because I don't actually aspire to those things. Like, I don't even know what those things are. Like, I'm (laughs) unclear what a VP does. Like, I I don't actually know. And, you know, that's also the story of a first gen student, right? You've heard that before too. Um, And I said, so what I wrote in my paper was I aspire to make a, make a difference in the life of at least one person. And Mm -hmm. if I'm always doing that, then I will feel fulfilled in sort of whatever my role is, whatever position I have. And I think that that has held true for me in in all of the positions I've held. And I realized over time that I could actually scale that impact um, and scale that difference, which was really exciting. Uh, But I don't think I initially went into it thinking that. It's interesting you say that because they say that a lot of successful people, if you ask them the source of their success, they'll say they stick to their values. They'll stick to their core beliefs. And that's obviously been true for you. So yeah, that's inspirational. Thank you. you. Yeah, we certainly consider you a leader in this space and somebody we highly respect and admire. Who do you look up to? Whose opinion or work do you value in this space? Certainly. Well, first off, thank you. I'm very (laughs) flattered and honored. So thank you so much. Um, I look up to several individuals. So uh, first and foremost, Farouk Day, um, who you all know I've co-authored and presented with. He is not only a dear friend, but a dear colleague and a dear mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, He is someone who entered my life early on in my career and saw potential in me, has always seen potential in me before I could see it has always Mm. seen capability in me before I could see it. And I am so impressed with his poise and with his eloquence and with his vision of what is possible. I love his conviction and his courage to say things that I know don't always resonate with folks. It is different from our norm. And it's different yeah. from what we're comfortable with. Yeah. Um, but I appreciate that he's always willing to stand behind mm. sort of what he believes. So he is someone that I, I deeply look up to. Um, another individual that I look up to is Andy Chan, who I also mm. mentioned earlier on this right. call. Um, Andy is just a remarkable individual. He comes with not only a career services background and education background, but also a business background. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes him so special in the way that he runs his offices, in the way that he's run his division, in the way that he has carried himself as the first vice president for career at any institution long before it was popular. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's really been incredible to see him pave the way forward. And I think his strategic business sense and business acumen is one of the things that makes him stand out the most in terms of how he approaches a problem Mm. and how he implements very tangible deliverables to really show impact. And I think, quite frankly, education, 
I know a lot of people would disagree, but education is education is a business and mm, career yeah. services is a business. And it doesn't mean that you're not serving students or that you're not mission driven. In fact, you can be both of those things at the same time. And I think Andy has proven that that is possible to be able to really yeah, merge. It's too. amazing. Yeah. yeah, so well, those are know. definitely two. I, I mean, I have so many individuals, <laughs> University of Miami, Joe Testani from University of Rochester, Jennifer Bazil at UC Santa Cruz. There's so many individuals, Rose Nakamoto, um, but I, I will save you from my laundry list. <laughs> well, those are two great names for sure. Yeah. yeah, and more. Yeah, definitely. So what do you think, Bobby? Do, do we have well, we're, for- we're trying to be cognizant of your time, Christine, because we know that you had yeah. an hour, so we don't want to cut into it but we also end our podcast with a series of rapid fire questions okay <laughs> because they're fun and they're easy and never okay. rapid so yeah <laughs> never rapid never rapid yeah. don't know why we got that I yeah. say that every time we get I'm like should we change that name it's like <laughs> <laughs> slow fire okay slow can, fire yeah <laughs> so slow fire uh can you drive a stick yes Woo! You know, that's a, that's a lost art for a lot of people. I mean, yeah. uh, we had to grow up with stick shifts in our household because that's all we had. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I can and I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Me too. It gives you power, right? You feel like you're in control. Um, we have to tell the quick story about our sister, Patty. She was asked at her job. <laughs> she was asked at her job. Um, someone's car was uh, somebody was trying to make a delivery and someone's car was blocking and she she was asked to go out and move it. And they handed her the keys and she's like, sure, no problem. She get out there and it was an automatic and she didn't know how to drive it. <laughs> she's like, how do you drive these things? <laughs> yeah, what are you supposed to do? Anyway, okay. Uh, best Girl Scout cookie. Samoa. Yeah. Samoa. I think yeah, it's Samoa. Samoa. Yep. Yeah. Samoa, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's thin mint because if there's no lot, you know, chocolate has to be the main ingredient. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, teenage heartthrob. Oh, that's actually a really hard one. I can't, I, can't I can give you a middle school one. I can give you oh, a middle, sure. school, middle one. school. When I was in middle school, I think it was JTT. I don't even remember his full name anymore, but <laughs> yeah, that was yep. like, he was right. He was that on like was... improvement and like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> Mine was Rob Lowe. I'll tell you right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> would you skydive? Yes. Wow. No hesitation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, none at all. Yeah. Now I would I had said yes until I had kids, and then it was like no. But now that they're older, I'm like kind of yes again. So <laughs> you haven't done it. Is that right? You haven't done it. I yet? haven't. Oh, you've done it. I haven't done it. No, I no, haven't. Neither I have would. I. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, maybe we should go together. Yeah. <laughs> so you go, I'll go. Okay. I'll take I'll take the video. Yeah, Meg's not going. <laughs> okay. If you could sit down with anyone dead or alive, we'll say, who would you choose? Oprah. That's a tough one. Oprah. Yeah. Oprah. Well, actually, I have two people. I'm really bad at choosing just one. Oprah. Yeah, that's okay. You could Michelle yeah. Obama. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's I can been see a popular why you response to that. Barack Obama is our most popular response to that question. I don't ask that every week. I just, you know, randomly yeah. ask it. But Barack Obama and 
Yeah, we have had Michelle Obama too, but I think you're our first Oprah. And I, but I see why. Who does? I love Oprah. Oh my gosh, she's okay. just like, she has to be the best conversationalist. Like, oh, I would imagine it would be such fun questions and conversation and like digging into her experience. Oh, I, I just know. Think it would be such a and ball. Who, who hasn't she spoken to, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what was your first job? I was a waitress at a retirement village. Okay. <laughs> so it was like, I don't know if you all are familiar with Green Spring Retirement Village. It was very big. It was a big company out in like the Virginia, DC area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, so all of the residents lived kind of on site and they all went to the dining room every evening for dinner. And we had a set menu. So you honestly didn't really have to remember much about the menu. <laughs> all, like there weren't very many choices. And, right. um, and you brought them like pretty much the same meal almost every night. So that was my first job. Yeah. (laughs) Not a bad job. And probably probably the biggest challenge was the dietary restrictions. (laughs) (laughs) But kind of, you know, still like in the service, helping others. I I like that. All right. Um, Can you sing or play a musical instrument? No, sadly, I cannot. All right. That's good. Because if you had more talent, I was going yeah, to have we, to. We'd have to cut it off right here. I would here. have to like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if you can do it all, I quit. No. Yeah. Okay. All right. Since you don't have this talent, possibly, but if all of a sudden you had the talent to compete in the Olympics, what event would it be? Does it have to be an existing sport? Um, I, I was thinking in my head, yes, but gosh, if you can come up with a new one, I like that. That might even be better. Well, let's see. Okay. So I would, if I, if I were so good, I would love to do uh, downhill skiing. That would be a really fun sort of sport to compete in. I love watching the skiers. Um, Uh, I do ski, but I'm not that good. Like nowhere close nowhere yeah. close to that good. No. Um, no, not even close like... enough to like comfortably go down a black. Okay. So not that good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have a good time. I have a good time right. and it would be really cool to be able to do that. Um, but no, I was jokingly thinking like, I'm a really good sleeper. I'm a, like, I'm fantastic <laughs> at sleeping and Long if that could be sleeper. an Olympic sport, I would win. Like, I really wow. think I would do such a good job. I can sleep like in a second, if you suddenly told me to go to bed, I could be asleep in probably two minutes wow. and I can nap anytime. Um, wow. and I just, and I anywhere know. like, yeah, anywhere yeah, that's, that's Meg's husband, Scott. Yeah. He, he is the same. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know everywhere we go. Like we were on a boat to Nantucket and you know, people are walking around and it's crowded and there was this like <laughs> four foot section of bench that he found <laughs> and he was out like that, even just out, you know, yeah. so, and it was yeah. hard as oh hard as a rock. Gosh. So yeah, that's a great, that is a great talent and that should be an Olympic sport. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> like how many hours are we talking a night? Like, Oh, well, okay. So my preference, if I had it my way, I would love to sleep anywhere between eight to 10 hours every night. That would be my ideal. I do not get actually that much sleep. So I hover somewhere between seven to eight hours a night, um, which is, I think, fairly normal. Um, but I keep trying to get as close to like a solid eight, if possible, <laughs> eight to uh, yeah. nine would be like, great. And it's yeah. a great day when you get up to that 10, like, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 This is the best day ever. <laughs> okay. If you could eliminate one thing from your daily routine, what would it be? 
eliminate one thing from my daily routine. Gosh, I like my daily routine. Well, you might not eliminate anything. You know, okay, so maybe loading the dishwasher. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) One small thing would be I I would actually I would try and train myself to scroll a little less on my phone. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty, I'm pretty connected to my phone. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I recently have put up this, you can do this little reminder on Instagram that tells you like when you've been scrolling for a certain amount of time, like a little alert pops up like, um, and and then you actually have to click on it to like get it to go away. (laughs) So I set, I set my limit daily for 30 minutes. Um, and, and once I get the 30 minute message, I don't look anymore. Um, but I, so I've, I've lessened it, but I would actually love to lessen it more because the reality is it's really not a great use of my time yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I would be doing better things. So I like know. getting sleep. Yeah. So. <laughs> That 30, that could have been a solid 30 minute nap right Right. there. (laughs) Well, that's actually a great thing to set. I mean, that's a good strategy. And how do you, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Maybe go from 30 to 25. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Easy, ease off. Okay. Last one. Worst style choice you ever made. (laughs) Had to be, had to be the bangs when I was in, uh, when I was in, elementary school you had like the big bangs with like the hairspray where you're oh like, yeah. like went up those bangs yeah. 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 yeah 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 i mean and you would like shellac it with hairspray <laughs> you'd be out in like 30 mile an hour winds and nothing <laughs> Like that, yeah, that was yeah. never a good choice. Those are not. <laughs> I know. Good. What were we thinking during that time? Oh, because gosh. I remember I the putting, bigger, the better. The, <laughs> I had the, the perm and you'd scrunch yes. it up and you yeah. keep I did scrunching Yeah, I also had a perm. And as yeah. you can imagine, that didn't look good on me. So that, that would be another one. Like I had a lot of poor <laughs> hair choices. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought they were good hair choices at the time. <laughs> Looking well, back. For the listeners. <laughs> Listeners that cannot see Christine, she looks beautiful today. So yes, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Okay. Well, that was it. You made it through the gauntlet of rapid fire questions. Sometimes we have guests on and we say we're going to do a rapid fire section. They're like, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, promise they're going to be easy. It's just kind of fun to get to know someone outside of their work and totally. what they do, you know. Totally. Anyway. I love it. So thank you, Christine, for joining us today. It was such a pleasure to have you on. And I'm so glad you were able to share with our listeners all the benefits of Handshake. And I think you did an amazing job of conveying that information today. So I think that our listeners will find that really useful. And yeah, thanks again for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was such a pleasure. It was so fun. I love the dynamic the two of you have as well. This was great. Uh, Thank you, Christine, for coming on. And it's exciting to see what Handshake is going to be doing. And I'm excited to see what your new CTO brings in. And I think they can't go wrong with you at the helm of the education. Absolutely. We know know the future is in good hands with your commitment. And yeah, yeah, definitely. You all All are so kind. Thank you both so much. This was so lovely. And I am so glad that I had a chance to meet both of you. Yeah. Thank you for your time, Christine. We really appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much, Christine, for coming on and sharing all your amazing knowledge and helping our audience to learn what Handshake is all about. 
Yeah, Christine, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you could take a minute to subscribe to our podcast, we'd really appreciate it. That's how we get more people to listen and find our podcast. And our rating and reviewing helps as well. So anything you can do to help us out, we absolutely appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much for everybody that tunes in. And we're thankful for you. And anyone that's interested in learning more about Handshake, we will definitely include that link in our show notes. So head on over and check it out. If you're in higher ed or a business, you may want to get involved. Yes, absolutely. If you're not already using Handshake, you need to contact Handshake and get on board. All right. See you next time. Take care, everyone. And this has been an Academic and Career Advising Services production. 